This episode of Dana Being Dana is brought to you in part by Marabella, Kincaid, Frederick, and Marabella, serving Chicagoland communities for more than 70 years. Hello, and welcome to Dana Being Dana. I'm Dana Michelle, and I'm thrilled you're with us. My show is about all different aspects of the human connection, things that bring us together, and living life intentionally. Well, it's no secret that a global pandemic will put a strain on all relationships. I believe there are many people who deep down really want to improve the relationships in their lives, but they lack the tools to do so in a truly meaningful way. Well, joining me now are friends of mine who have made careers out of helping people be more intentional about doing the relationship work. We have Lindsay Stella and Susan Guthrie who are lawyers and mediators. Jody Metcalf is a clinical therapist. Kate Anthony is a life coach, relationship coach and expert. And Benjamin Heldvon, who is the author, the co-author of Our Happy Divorce. Thank you all so much for joining me today. I appreciate you being here for this important discussion. So has COVID created the conflicts in relationships or were they always there? In other words, how can we tell if a conflict is a temporary situation or an indicator that a relationship isn't working? So I think that a lot of a lot of the problems are sort of rising to the to the to the top, right? They're sort of like the fats rising to the top. Um, I think that a lot of relate. If, if you have an otherwise healthy relationship, there are problems probably that that COVID is is or isolation or quarantine or whatever um, are highlighting. Um, and you know, you might need to go to therapy and work some stuff out. But if it's an otherwise healthy relationship, that stuff is going to be worked out through communication. But if you're in a toxic relationship and you've been kind of you know, skirting each other or like, you know, one goes to work and or parallel parenting or, you know, tag team parenting, all of those things. And now suddenly you're in lockdown together. Those problems are going to show up a lot more um, in sort of stark relief. Um, and you're going to have to deal with them. And, and certainly if there's been any abuse happening, it's going to, uh, you know, first of all, it's a very dangerous time for, for victims of domestic violence. Yes. Um, those problems were probably already there. Right. Um, and it's really, really dangerous. So, I, I mean, I, I think it's just highlighting what's usually there. To build on that, though, I would say it doesn't necessarily have to be that it, it's a toxic relationship. There are many relationships that I'm seeing out there that just the people don't have, as Kate just referenced, um, communication, um, they, they don't have the skills to work on relationships and then all of a sudden COVID hits and it's just one thing after another, one problem, someone loses a job, someone gets sick, the kids are now home all day, so is your spouse. And so when they're lacking those skills to deal with all of that, and maybe Jody, you know, can speak more to that, but I'm seeing a lot of couples that I would not say were in horrible relationships but who are struggling right now because they don't have the skills to deal with what's coming, you know, the fire hose that's been coming for the past nine months. You know, all of all of the ways that people were living, right, have been stripped away. There, there aren't any sports for the kids to go to. There aren't any dinners out with friends. There aren't any, any outside things that we were looking to, to maybe like fill in some of the gaps in the relationship. And so I feel like when all of that is stripped away, people are really aware of, huh, this is the actual state. 
of the relationship and, and here are the holes and here are the things that we're missing. And so it's, can we adjust to that, right? Can we fix this so that we are like functioning on a better level or, or do we need to look at maybe some outside help? So once someone has determined that the relationship is over, what is, what is the first step either from a, from a legal or mediation standpoint or from a emotional doing the work type of standpoint? So I did read the Our Happy Divorce book, and I really appreciated from a divorce attorney standpoint the way that Ben and Mickey sat down and did a little bit of self, um, you know, looking into their inner self and figuring out what they really wanted of this process. The unfortunate situation is a lot of people don't have the wherewithal or the emotional intelligence about themselves to take that first step and do the work on their own. And so with that being said, I think that, in my opinion, the best idea is to speak with a lawyer um, because that lawyer is going to give you those options about um, what process you're going to, how you're going to do this process, I, sh I should say. Is it going to be collaborative? Is it going to be cooperative? Is it going to be mediation? Or is it going to start out uh, litigious? You don't have to hire that lawyer. You don't have to ever hire that lawyer. But they're at least going to give you the facts that you need and the research that you need to make an informed decision. That's yeah, building on that, I've always thought over my years as a divorce attorney that really the, the very first thing, I 100% agree on consulting with a divorce attorney, uh, but not necessarily having that feeling that you have to hire a divorce attorney right off the bat. Um, really, the key is educating yourself. Um, about the process. And I think a, a good divorce attorney is one good source of information. The world that we live in today has a plethora of information for us, but we do want to make sure we're getting it from accurate sources and reliable sources. So certainly, hopefully, an attorney in your area is going to be one of those. Um, but being able to make educated choices right from the start, even about, as Lindsay just said, what method you're going to use in your divorce process, uh, mediation, collaborative law, there's many different ways. I know Ben and Nikki um, sat down at a table in Starbucks uh, to get it done. So there's a lot of different methods um, and that's one of those first choices, but you should make them all from an educated uh, basis. Ben, can you tell us briefly about uh, our happy divorce and, and what your book is about? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that uh, the the book is about. Obviously, Nikki and I got married. I think that uh, we we you talked earlier about the COVID and, and what kind of strains putting on a relationship. And for Nikki and I, you know, unhappy. We were unhappy people, uh, and, and therefore we had an unhappy marriage. Um, and I, I think one of the most important parts about our experience, at least my experience, is I left the house, uh, and it was all Nikki's fault. It was all, you know, if she, if only she had done this. And when you start talking about if onlys and shoulds, uh, you know, it's time to take a look in the mirror. At least it was for me. And, and I did call an attorney, but I called the attorney with the wrong intentions. I called the attorney because I wanted to hear that it was Nikki's fault or that I wanted to hear what I could do or what I couldn't do. And, and so what, what I needed to do and what Nikki and I needed to do was take a step back uh, of, uh, and I say this and it sounds apathetic. And again, it's meant to sound apathetic, but uh, divorce is a business deal. And, and if you ask any businessman or, or woman, what makes a business deal go bad usually comes down to they brought emotions into it, right? So what Nikki and I had to do 
was take a look at the emotional side of it first and take a look at our parts in that ending of the marriage. And it's a pretty simple formula for us. It took two to make our marriage and it took two to ruin it. So once we dealt with the emotional side of it and therapy and, and uh, whatever, there was somebody there to, you know, to hold us accountable. And, and when I started talking about, yeah, but Nikki, that person would say, no, this is about you. Then the business side of it became, look, it was still hard, divorce sucks, but it was a little bit easier. And we were able to sit down at that coffee shop, like Susan said, and go through things and go through, you know, the business side of things. And it wasn't about, you know, me wanting something because it meant something to Nikki, right? The, just the, just the, the, the pair of glasses that we were wearing after we dealt with the emotional were much different. Yes. So what, what does the individual work um, look like for separating from an ex, whether it be therapeutic or transactional, as you said, Ben, uh, from a, from a uh, mediation or a divorce process standpoint, what does that look like in terms of, of separating from an ex in a, in a healthy way? I would say from an emotional standpoint, um, you know, anytime I have a couple that comes in and we're trying to either see if there's a marriage to save or if we want to end the marriage, I always recommend individual counseling as well. Because um, you really need that place to process and to understand kind of like what you said, Ben, your side of things, right? What do you need to own in your relationship? Because a relationship is a dynamic, it's a system, right? It's not one side or another, it all interacts together. And so you really need to see clearly how you're contributing to that and maybe some things that you can do on your end, but also help you process the grief because there's grief when, when there's a loss of a relationship, right? And so we really need to be able to enter into those feelings and understand what's going on for us individually, as well as how that will impact the marriage, the family, if there's kids. It's, it's really having that place to process and to have someone say to you, Hey, what about this? What about this? You know, there's there's different pieces that you won't know on your own if you're just thinking at it from an emotional standpoint and you don't have those outside people to really point that out to you. Yeah, I I, I agree, um, obviously, with what Jody's saying. And I think that, you know, I think the, the important work, the certainly work that I do with my clients who are getting out of relationships is, you know, um, because the divorce rate for second and third marriages is so much higher <laughs> than the first time, we want to figure out like what went wrong. And usually it's not, you know, the other person was the problem, right? If, if you're going to, if you're going to change the dynamic of your future relationships, you've got to look within yourself and look at how did I choose this person? What is my childhood wounding or my history, mm -hmm. my attachment style, all of that stuff, you know, which is usually, attachment styles are usually associated with childhood wounding, right? So how did all of that lead me to the place where I chose this person? And how can I heal all of that so that I don't continue to choose this person in a different body over and over and over again? And that's really, I think, the core work. And, and, it, and it's the work that I think that you can do while you're trying to decide. You can do it, you know, on your own in individual therapy before this even ha you know becomes an, an issue. Um, and you certainly should do it after the fact. Um, and doing it, I think, doing it while you are in the should I stay or should I go realm will help you if you decide to go. Then take all that emotion out, as 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 Ben was saying, 
take the emotional piece out so that you can just deal with the transactions, right? Uh, because you're making the biggest legal and financial decisions of your life in the middle of the biggest emotional upheaval of your life. So let's deal with the emotional upheaval so that you can just deal with legal and financial and transactions. Make and make those smart decisions. Um, right. Mm -hmm. no, I, I think that's yeah, great. And make them, um, you know, this from, from the legal and financial and parenting perhaps perspective, one of the things I'm always encouraging my clients to do is to be focused forward on the future as opposed to um, especially something that litigation sort of enhances is looking at the past and looking for blame and looking for, um, you know, yes, why the relationship didn't work for you. I agree with it, what Kate just said, but also this is an opportunity to move forward into a new future. Be, be very consciously thinking about what will work for you in that new future. Um, and that takes some of that fear out of it as well, because I think people tend to see that future that nowhere, no longer looks like the relationship with their ex as a big black void. But instead, it is an opportunity. Um, but we have to get in touch with, um, you know, our, our inner thoughts and, and what works for us in order to look forward. That's true. We're going to be future forward, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. We will separate, but we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. In serving Illinois for seven decades, Mirabella Kincaid Frederick and Mirabella has earned its reputation as an experienced and skilled law firm that puts its clients first. We provide trusted counsel and tireless dedication to achieve favorable outcomes and reduce the stress and costs that often come with complicated legal matters. Our adept attorneys represent clients in divorce, family law, sexual harassment, employment discrimination, school law, civil litigation, and criminal defense. While we handle high profile cases, Every client who walks through our door can expect the same diligent care and attention to detail. MKFM Law has served counties including DuPage, Kane, Will, and Kendall since 1949. That longevity is only possible with the elite level of commitment we show our clients every day. Call or visit us online for a free consultation. to Dana being Dana, where we are talking about doing the relationship work in a meaningful and tangible way. Kate, I want you to talk about the shifting of primary. As people separate and they move on and they, they move forward in their new lives, what, what does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah, so I identify this with my own experience, right, And I'll, which is that when, when my ex and I divorced, right, we had a really contentious and volatile marriage. And then we ended up having a really good collaborative divorce. Um, and one of the things that I sort of, I, I sort of took on this role of first wife, right? So all of his relationships afterwards, I was sort of the gatekeeper a little bit. 
it was a totally ego-driven thing, right? And, but when his new, when he got remarried, right, or when he was, you know, dating his, the woman that he, that he then married, um, she was like, nah, <laughs> nah. And, you know, she was kind of having none of it. And it forced me to look at, at that, this whole sort of realm of the, who's the primary person mm-hmm. in your life, right? And I later, and I suddenly realized like that I was doing this thing. I had sort of set myself up as first wife. I was sort of the gatekeeper and it was totally ego. It was like, I was pissing on my territory. And I'm, and I, and I, and I saw that and I was able to sort of remove myself and realize like she was right. I was wrong. This is not a healthy dynamic. Um, and sort of move myself out of that position, that primary position and allow her to have that primary position, which was completely appropriate for her to have. And then later, a few years later, I I dated someone and I was the other person. I was the new person and he was still going to his ex-wife, you know, with all, she was his first call. Everything was, and I was like, I don't fit here. Mm -hmm. I don't, there is no, there is no room for me here until you separate from that, right? And to his credit, both of them saw it. He went to her and was like, hey, I think we need to make some adjustments. And she was like, yeah, you know what? My boyfriend's saying the same thing. And we were able to, and so it was able to happen, but, but it is that it's who is the, you have to be able to make room for the new person. Yes. There's gotta be somewhere for them to fit. And while it's appropriate for you to continue to have a co-parenting relationship with your ex, it's not appropriate for them to necessarily be your first call or your, you know, best friend or, you know, whatever else it is, yeah. you know, it, which, you know, and some people, by the way, I know Ben and Nikki have actually navigated this really, really well. Um, and Chad and Nadia are, are, have sort of signed on to it. And that's, and that's great. And that's a very healthy, I think, dynamic for all of them. Um, but, you know, not everyone signs on for that. In terms of a healthy divorce and a healthy relationship, is it possible to have that if you're leaving an unhappy person or an unhappy relationship or individual? We have a happy divorce. We wrote a book about it. Right. Uh, and we were two, or especially for me, I was a very unhappy person. Uh, and it manifests itself uh, in a lot of different ways. It looked, it smelt, it felt probably like narcissism. Uh, but it wasn't. It was just narcissistic traits. I was just an angry, hurt, uh, wounded man. Uh, and my romance and bu- uh, uh, finance buttons were being pressed. Um, but like Kate was saying and Susan was saying, and everybody's been saying, uh, I needed to change. And if nothing changed, nothing's going to change. Yes. Right? If I hadn't made the changes that I made, uh, I wouldn't have a happy divorce with Nikki. And I surely wouldn't have a happy marriage with Nadia. So it's like, you know, somebody who thinks if, if I just move to California, I'll be a happier person. But guess what? You move to California, you bring the same person with you. So that's what happens, I think, in marriages. And so, yes, it is possible if that person is willing to uh, adjust. But I think the other part of it is the work that I did wasn't about trying to get to a happy marriage or divorce, rather. It wasn't about some outcome or something that I want. I just wanted to be a happier person. Right. And, and so regardless of the outcome of the work I was doing, um, you know, if Nikki was still the way that maybe I perceived her or, you know, if she hadn't done anything, then it would have been OK because my side of the street was clean. 
So that's what that process was. It wasn't for any outcomes or any, you know, writing of books or being on Dana being Dana. It, you know, it was just about me not wanting to be miserable. And it's good. I think I think that's great advice for people who want to be intentional about not being unhappy, about not carrying the same weight um, and either traumas or experiences or negative energy into future relationships. What advice do you all have for people when it comes to creating healthy boundaries? Um, ben, you talked about accountability, particularly when it comes to co-parenting, because I think sometimes that's where uh, the waters can get muddied and certain different agendas um, can be can be blurred. So what advice do, do any of you have for people when they are navigating that, particularly in the accountability space and healthy boundaries? I, I, was just, I, I always tell people to focus on themselves and what they can control in their co-parenting relationship. Um, and I, you know, it comes down to when you are going through a great co-parenting relationship or you're going through a difficult co-parenting relationship, when you think that you can control what your co-parent is doing in some way, you are just going to bring misery onto the entire situation. And you know that goes back to your prior question, where if you're getting divorced from an unhappy person, is, that, is it possible to have a happy divorce? It is if you focus on yourself. If you focus on trying to change them into a happy person, it's not going to work. So my number one tip for, for my parents who are having difficulty co-parenting is to focus on what they can control. And that's usually their reaction to their co-parent or lack of, because that's usually the better course. Don't react. No reaction. Jody? And I would say too, um, that's really where checking your ego comes again, right? Like if you're if you're a parent, You've signed on to raise an incredible person or persons, and and you both have that same that same lens, that same goal. Hopefully, so if you can get there, it's it's really what is best for these children, right? What can we do as parents to make sure that they are healthy and they have what they need? And this is where it gets tricky a little bit, right? Because oftentimes the co-parenting issues that are coming up are the same parenting issues that were coming up even when you were married because you're still dealing with the same person. And so, like you said, it's it's really focusing on yourself and what you can control and trying to make sure that your side of the street is clean and and knowing that you can only do what you can do. And as long as you have the best interest of your child at heart, then you are doing what you need to do. Can I just echo that really quick, just about, uh, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up because even on this, you know, show, they're talking about me, 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 Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. But at the end of the day, the foundation of our happy divorce uh, and, and the life that we have today was that we didn't want to hand our son the emotional bill for our decisions yes. and yes. something he had no choice in. He didn't or pick the restaurant, he didn't order the food, he didn't order the wine, but we were gonna stick him with the emotional bill to pay. And I think being, being true and honest with that, because I think a lot of times um, toxic ties are labeled and disguised as the best interest of the children. A lot of controlling behaviors are people disguising it or calling it this is for our children, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, but you know, the question comes to some of checking that ego, checking those desires to control, um, trying to create a narrative that may not necessarily be true, um, and and really kind of being honest in that space. You talked about the emotional bill to children. Um, I think um, I want to talk about abuse, and because I think abuse 
these days are very high, whether it be emotional, physical, um, domestic conflicts, dependencies um, are at an all time high lately, thanks perhaps to the pandemic and everything that was the year of 2020. Um, what advice do you have for people who are in um, those, those volatile situations when it comes to maintaining um, and self-preservation? I would say that safety, right? Safety trumps anything else. Um, we've got to get safe before we can do any of the emotional work, any of the legal work. We've got to be in a place where we are physically, emotionally, mentally safe. Um, so there are certainly plenty of resources. You can, you can go to a therapist, you can go to a number of places to get that help. Um, but I would say first and foremost, that's the primary, that needs to be the primary motivation. Lindsay, can you, can you talk about um, your, your advice for people um, and, and some of the differences between uh, a high conflict divorce um, and, and a mediation situation? I, I do a lot more litigation than I do mediation. Mm -hmm. But in terms of litigation, um, I, I mean, how do we get from litigation to a, you know, a better situation is, I think, what you're asking. Uh, so my answer would be, whenever anybody comes into my office, the first thing that I think to myself, I don't necessarily ask them, I say, how can I get this family to a place at the end of this process that doesn't destroy them? Yeah. Because when guardians leave the room, when the lawyers leave the room, when the judges and the mediators and everybody leaves the room, you've left this family uh, together. And those cuts cut deep. You know, death a thousand cuts is a, is a true statement. So what can I do to set them up and put them on the path to success? So, you know, Ben and Nikki obviously did a good job of that, but they didn't really go through the litigation process. So going through that process, I said it the last time I was on the show, you pick your battles. You don't file petitions for somebody being five minutes late. Um, the other person might have some mental health issues and things that they are dealing with. You're going to have to work on yourself. That's what this whole thing has been about. You're going to swallow your pride, um, deal with your ego, because that is how you're going to do what's best for your children and your family through the litigation process, because it's not easy. Yeah. The other thing I say, when you feel like you're about to break through the litigation process, is, about, is right about when it's about to be over. Conflict in life is unavoidable. COVID-19 has taught us all the hard way that relationships are hard work. Staying in relationships is hard work. Leaving relationships is hard work. Healing is hard work. Moving on is hard work. Your personal growth is evidenced by how you reflect, react, and respond. Healthy relationships can start with you today, and you will be glad that you did. Thank you to my guests for joining me to share their expertise on doing the relationship work. Special thanks to Mirabella, Kincaid, Frederick, and Mirabella for their expertise on family law, which is now more important than ever. Hopefully you have been entertained, if not encouraged or inspired. I do not promise to be an expert, nor do I have all the answers. I'm just Dana being Dana. See you next time. This episode of Dana Being Dana is brought to you in part by Marabella, Kincaid, Frederick, and Marabella, serving Chicagoland communities for more than 70 years.